Welcome back to another episode of the Pug and Cop Boxing Show. This is Mike Coppinger along with, as always, Lance Pugmire. And we have a lot of big news as always this week. We have a big show tomorrow on the zone in Miami, Super Bowl week, headlines by Demetrius Andre and Luke Keeler, but also including more prominently Joseph Diaz Jr. challenging Tevin Farmer for the 130 pound title and a unified title fight between Danny Roman and Akhmadaliev. So we have a lot to get into. Lance, first off, which fight are you most excited for on this the zone card? I know it's not the Jake Paul fight, right? No, <laughs> and we'll talk about that later. I I believe that the uh, most interesting fight is the fight between MJ Akmaladel, I can't even say it, Mike, and Danny Roman. I think Danny Roman defending his belt in a tough fight against this uh, young fighter from Uzbekistan is very interesting. It could, it could be an upset, but Danny Roman is on a, a very long weed, uh, winning streak, you know, only interrupted by a, by a shoulder injury, I believe. And he has the opportunity to really kind of stamp himself in this division. If he can get this victory, it's to me, it's going to be a, a very competitive, entertaining fight. And I see it as the, as the most interesting of the night, but you know, second, a, a very close second is Jojo Diaz after uh, losing his prior opportunity to, to defeat Gary Russell Jr. for a belt, now having the opportunity to to uh, win one in, in the 130-pound division against Tevin Farmer, who's, you know, there's, a, there's some similarities there, right, between uh, Farmer and Russell. So has Jojo brid- bridged that gap and figured out a way to collect the belt? Um, I know you've talked to Jojo a little bit, Mike. What is he saying about this uh, this opportunity? Jojo's incredibly confident. I know he believes he learned a lot from that setback to Gary Russell Jr. And I think he showed everyone a lot because we didn't. He, he was a good amateur, but we didn't know what he had in the pros. And that was a big step up in class. Gary Russell's a tremendous fighter, and Diaz did it really well with his pressure, cutting off the ring. That's the same thing he's going to have to do tomorrow night against Tevin Farmer, a guy who likes to box and move, very defensive, defense first, safety first. So. Yeah, I, I do lean toward Diaz in this fight. Really? And, I, and, it's, and, it's, and that's my favorite fighter of the card. I, okay. And I, but I also do like the Roman Akhmadalia fight like you do too. But I think those two fights together, that'll be a classic, you know, kind of boxing after dark. Andre Keeler doesn't really do much for me. Yeah, it's basically just a, uh, a tribute to Demetrius from Eddie Hearn, I believe, because, you know, he's got a, he's got a, a middleweight champion that – you know, in a in a division where there's a lot of great opportunities. So you you almost have to put Demetrius in the main event to say, like, here he is, you know, he's in this Super Bowl main event, and now he has the opportunity to, to go fight the likes of Canelo Alvarez, Gennady Golovkin, uh, Jermall Charlo. But the I think the the biggest question that looms around Demetrius Andre is 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 he going to get those fights next? And I think that there's a, a great possibility mike that he does not he doesn't get any of those fights right exactly he needs to look i think he needs to finally look impressive and step on the gas and go for the knockout we've seen so many times when boo boo was fighting an overmatched opponent whether it was calton dakwa who he knocked down four times i believe it was or even uh suleki who yeah. he had in big trouble in the first round he kind of eases off as the round, fights goes on and it goes to the cards and we were left wanting more and left wondering. The fan, yeah. The fans don't want that boxing exhibition. You're absolutely right. And I think that, you know, I Tevin Farmer is in the same situation, sort of. I mean, he, he can box his way to victory. And 
to be honest with you, I mean, I know Jojo Diaz is saying the right things, and I heard, I, I saw some comments uh, from him earlier today saying that he plans to apply more pressure this time. He learned his lesson uh, from the first fight against Russell. But I think when you're dealing with such a defensive-minded fighter, oftentimes those plans go awry because the other fighter is just so sophisticated and skilled and, and a little bit quicker and faster and can get out of the way. So you can you know have that ambition, but it just never comes to fruition because those those guys are just more athletic and they're they're just you know a better more skilled and I think that's the that's going to be the the ultimate test for Jojo. I don't I don't know of anyone that works as hard on his craft as Jojo. This guy is definitely de- determined. Is that enough on, on this night? You're right and there's really two guys who have to prove something in Demetrius Andrade and Tevin Farmer. Both guys are Wiley pans for their unesthetically pleasing style in the ring. Both seem to just cruise to victories when they could do so much more. And what interests me is Farmer's really stepping way up. Farmer hasn't fought really anybody of note. Jojo Diaz is a guy who's proven on this level, like he did, like you said, against Gary Russell. I want to see what Farmer has, too. Well, that's a good point. And, and honestly, that's the best thing that Tevin Farmer can do because there are some significant fights around his weight class that he has the the ability to pursue. Although he said some some interesting comments, right? That he's he's getting ready to he'll only have a few more fights left or something like that. So I don't know what that's about. But um, you know, this is a guy that needs the type of fight to where people are talking about him in a way in which they're not ripping him and saying like, you know, I oh I I changed the channel or I you know. I quit watching the fight because of him, and that's you know you don't want you don't want those things said about you, said about you. He doesn't have the personality of a Floyd Mayweather Jr. to be able to get away with that type of stuff. You can't turn in these these uh, boring uh, title defenses, and then and and not have an audience, and then expect to get paid the kind of money. Honestly, and this is what you know, Tevin Farmer is a is a quality fighter. There's no doubt about it. He deserves to uh, be making more money and, and better purses and be in better fights. But it's the entire package that goes along with, with it for all these guys. And he's one of those guys right now that still has some work to do to, you know, maximize what he can earn. Absolutely. And going back to Akhmedalia for a second, he there's never actually been a champion from Uzbekistan. So that would be huge. He could be the first one from Uzbekistan and 122 pounds is a red hot division right now. You have a lot of good fighters there. Gamma Rigandau, I know, has gone back to 118, but he can always fight at 122. You have TJ, TJ Doheny, who was one half of a great fight last year with Danny Roman. Yeah. Ray Vargas, who just signed with PBC, is over there. And Stephen Fulton, who looks really good, I thought, on Saturday in Showtime against Arnold Kagai. So, right. a lot of depth. MJ is a, a very interesting uh, uh, figure. He's a, a guy who's dedicated to learning English. I think, you know, just spending some time with him as I did uh, in Indio, uh, he's got a lot of charisma, Mike. He's got personality. I mean, he he gets it. He he understands, like, you know, what it took for Golovkin to, you know, generate a fan base here in the U.S. He, and, you know, like, I, I know, like, his, his manager and uh, his assistant manager were saying, they were pointing to him and they say, look, he looks like a Mexican, you know, like they, and, they, and he fights like a Mexican. He's a very entertaining fighter they believe that this is an easy victory i mean if to hear these guys talk and 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 the way that they talk about the uh history of mj's amateur career they say like he's beaten 20 guys like roman so heading into this fight that's going to be very interesting to see if they can back up their words 
Right. And we also have Logan Paul's brother, Jake Paul, against someone named Anasan Gibb, which I've never heard of. I, I think the zone's really overdoing it now. It's overkill. I don't see any buzz around this fight. KSI Logan Paul was a big event, regardless of whether, what you think about it as a boxing purist. And this fight, it just seems they're going too well one too many times, at least this soon. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that Jake Paul, I mean, he's he has spent, you know, as much time as Logan Paul was training, Jake Paul was there training alongside him, basically. And then he's been working with uh, Sugar Shane Mosley. So he aspires to look very strong, and I would expect him to win this fight. Not that we're giving a great boxing analysis on it, but... Uh, you're right. I mean, you've got to have these backstories at play for for these novelty fights to to work. Does this one have it? I don't know. I mean, I don't even hear my my sons talking about it, you know, and they're the ones who are the YouTubers who are uh, watching all this stuff. So, um, you know, we'll see. This maybe this 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 may be the end of it, Mike. And I think a lot of people would be uh, would be happy if that's the case. <laughs> I know that's for sure. So, and I think it's going to be cool to have a fight, a big fight event on a Thursday. Too often, you know, it's always on Saturdays. It's nice to have something on a Thursday and getting in the middle of the week. People have things to do on Saturdays. It is, and the UFC used to, and I don't know why they stopped doing this. The US UFC used to always have a. Um, a card on the Saturday before uh, the Saturday before the Super Bowl, and it was all uh, to me. It was always well attended, and it was always strongly viewed. People are really captive. They're they're home. They're you know near their homes because they're getting ready for the Super Bowl the next day. It's easy to gather and watch the fight, and it, this is the same thing. I mean, I think you'll probably have a star-studded crowd in there. I know a lot of people who are going out there who have said, "Hey, I'm going to stick my head into this fight and check it out because it's uh, it's with three title fights on the card. It's it's pretty interesting." And especially being in Miami, and you know, hopefully, I know that um, I know that the um, uh, Miami Marlins have tried to um, start positioning to bring more fights to uh, Miami, and maybe this is the start of that. Yeah, Miami's a great city and has a lot of history there for fights. Muhammad Ali, of course, trained there at the Fifth Street Gym. So I would love to see it, and also I want to go to Miami. So <laughs> selfishly, let's yes. get some fights there. Yes, we had a little bit of action on Saturday. Showtime triple header. Very underwhelming. One of probably one of the worst cards cards I've seen in recent years. Wow. Uh, two mismatches going in, and as often with mismatches, sometimes the guys fight down to the level of their opposition. They're not really that into it. We saw Danny Garcia sleepwalk through a twelve round fight against Ivan Redcash and win decisively. That a fight that didn't really hurt help his stock much. Uh, we know that he was supposed to fight Errol Spencer Jr. on Fox pay per view in Staples at Staples Center this past Saturday, and of course the Spence car accident canceled those plans and then in the co-feature jared heard returned from the for in his first fight after that loss to julian williams and he won a 12-round decision against chia santana and i'm frankly shocked that both santana and red cash won the distance i thought these were no doubt fights that would end in the first six rounds or so uh her did drop Santana hard in the 12th round. And we saw him unleash a new style under new trainer, Kate Karoma, where instead of fighting big and hulking and punishing his opponent, pushing him around the ring, he was boxing off the back foot, moving, pumping the jab and fighting small. And I'm not sure how much I like that for Jared Hurd, guy who's been in a lot of action fights, but I guess I get it. And then in the opener, we had Stephen Fulton, a good looking 122 pound fighter, uh, cruise past Arnold Kagai in a step up fight for him, so he looks good. So, um, but I don't, I wonder, Lance, where does this leave Danny Garcia? Well, I think Danny Garcia is angling, and he said after the fight, he's angling for either Manny Pacquiao or Earl Spence Jr. 
Um, I was told by Pacquiao's manager, Sean Gibbons, this week that the plans that were initially in place and seemed pretty concrete because of Pacquiao's um, Senate commitments in the Philippines, that the fight will, uh, Manny Pacquiao's next fight will now not be in April. And so it's going to be down the road, I guess, into uh, May or June. Now, who it's going to be against, I don't know. Sean Gibbons said that Danny Garcia is one of the names that's in consideration. But I think, you know, PBC is again going to be possibly pushing a the idea of a Errol Spence fight against Manny Pacquiao to let Errol, you know, have that kind of showcase victory, that passing of the torch uh, fight that he's looking for and to get him to uh, onto uh, even bigger things down down the road. So it's going to be a, a very interesting thing um, uh, to see what becomes of Danny Garcia. And those those talks will certainly be picking up in earnest uh, all through February. Would you be surprised if Errol Spence fought Danny Garcia in his first fight back? You know, the thing that I go back to is just how committed he was to to telling us when we saw him in Ontario, uh, when he made his first public appearance, that I'm fine, guys. I'm, you know, I'm okay. I'm back in the gym. I'm working. I'm going to be okay. He, I, I mean, I didn't take him as, as lying or trying to cover up something. And, you know, everyone you talk to, including his trainer, Derek James, also seems to be saying the same thing. So I would not be surprised if that fight takes place. And if that fight goes down, I think it's a great fight. I mean, Errol Spence is long to uh, be able to get into the ring with all these other uh, welterweights that he has said, I know he could be along the way. Um, so look, it would be a challenge. It would have a great backstory to it. There'd be some, uh, you know, interest in it because there's a mystery to it because we don't really know how Errol Spence is. But he's insisting he's strong, and I think that stepping in there against a, a Danny Garcia, who has such a strong name with the two two uh, uh, division titles in his uh, resume, um, it, it'd be it, that that probably isn't the ideal fight. Yeah, I love to see that fight. I want to see it the first time around. It's even more intriguing now with him coming off the car accident. Although Danny Garcia didn't really help himself in terms of building intrigue, although he admitted after the fight that he gained a lot of weight and he blamed a little bit on that. So and he got bit. And he got bit. That was strange. I haven't recognized bit him. And Danny Garcia claimed in the post fight interview with Jim Gray that as Redcash bit him, he said Mike Tyson. <laughs> well, at least you know, at least it had something going for it, Mike. I mean, we weren't counting on that, were we? I mean, uh, I think all of us who looked at that card were like, oh boy. But at least we got we had that little snippet uh, occur. Just complete, just bore a boring twenty four rounds between the two fights and two very good fighters and Jared Hurd and Danny Garcia. Um. Well, um, I know that, uh, Mike, you've had some news over this, uh, this past week, as always. Um, we, we actually mentioned this on the show because it was breaking back then last week. Uh, but Jarrell Big Baby Miller signing with Top Rank. Uh, big signing. Obviously, he adds uh, to the stable that includes Tyson Fury and Kubrat Pulev, who's in position for a mandatory title defense at our mandatory title shot at Anthony Joshua. So now that you look at these top rank heavyweights and it, you know, the stable is really uh, coming along. What do we know? What do we know about big baby Mike? I mean, how far away do you think he is from fighting? Is there any discussion about a day or who he could uh, po- possibly be going against? Yeah, it's a multi-fight deal. It was the, the deal was completed a couple of weeks ago. And then I think, I think it was signs last week. So, Big signing, like you said, is literally, literally and figuratively. Big baby weighs over through well over three hundred pounds, wow. and somehow has the volume. But he did fail four different tests ahead of that Joshua fight. Lost a lot of money, and now you see on social media. Now it's been finally been announced. 
top ranks is getting criticized left and right by people on fans on Twitter. So we're going to see. How's this guy eligible? So, I mean, boxing is a mess, of course, and he didn't hold the boxing license at the time. A lot of fighters wait till, you know, close to the fight to get the license. So he didn't have a license. And okay. we're going to see where he gets the license and how strict somebody might be. How strict is a, a Vegas commissioner, Bob Bennett? Maybe very. I'm not sure. Maybe they give him a, a preliminary, um, you know, conditional license. I don't know what's going to happen there, but I do know that top rank wanted him to fight on the Wilder Fury undercard. And they were looking at Carlos Tackham, oh. which would have been a really good yeah. fight. And, but that's off the table for now. The Wilder Fury undercard is complete. At least the pay-per-view portion. So we're going to see when Miller comes back, but I'm intrigued by it. I always liked Miller. He can really talk a great game, mm-hmm. great volume, power, just a fun guy, but he's going to have to answer a lot of questions and be truthful about these PED tests. Cause I mean, to, to fail four different tests, three different substances is a big deal and he needs to be contrite. Yeah. You know, look, and let's be honest. I mean, wherever they're going to place him, I'm sure it's going to be one of the major commissions, California, Nevada, New York, and they're, they are going to hold his feet to the fire I'm sure with sophisticated and and plentiful doping testings leading leading into his fight, um, you're absolutely right. I mean, he's just one more big name that goes into basically like this second, I don't know, second tier of heavyweights that are right there to step up as contenders. And another fight that you were able to break uh, is this Joe Joyce against Daniel Dubois. Is it April 18th? April 18th at the O2 Arena. It'll be pay-per-view on BT Sport in the UK and likely ESPN Plus here stateside. Great. I love this fight because it's, it's something that's rare in boxing these days. Two guys who are probably closer to the prospects level, even though Joe Joyce is 34 now, yeah. but he hasn't had a lot of fights. Dubois is definitely a prospect. Undefeated guys going at it. Someone, Someone's going to step up here, and I think Dubois is... The goods. I think he's maybe the best prospect in boxing. I like Joe Joyce too. Has a lot of power. It's a really intriguing fight. Dubois is not really, if I unless I'm mistaken, he's not really in position as a mandatory or anything like that. And I think what we've seen of him so far is so damn impressive. I think the question is, is that is that are people going to start avoiding him or basically you know just wait on him to keep? The, I know this is a good fight, but what can he do to sort of assert himself? And be in position for a, for a title shot. I can't. I can't see it happening this year. Probably not this year, but just be impressive against Joe Joyce. Go for the knockout, which would be very very impressive. Joe Joyce is a big, big, sturdy guy. Dubois on massive power so far, and Dubois has a chance to really be another star from the UK. Boxing hop it over there. He has good looks. He seems to be the total package. I don't see any reason why you can't get the big fights soon enough. Maybe not this year. It's very interesting to me because I know you've spent time with Joe Joyce as well. Smart guy. I mean, this guy very. has you know has kind of done things his own way, going uh, taking his time through the amateur process, turned pro. So I'm I'm actually very intrigued. He he may see something that he can expose on Dubois. I think it's a I think it's a definite possibility. What exactly it is, I'm not sure. But this is a guy who um, sooner rather than later, like you said, at the age of 34, wants to be fighting for a title. And he may know, look, everyone in the world who's, you know, uh, a boxing head, so to speak, is talking about Daniel Dubois. I'm going to go in there and take this guy out so they can talk about me. That, that would be the best way to get to where he wants to be. And Dubois is definitely the favorite. So I know everyone's looking at him, but Joe Joyce has, has won all his fights so far. I know he looked a little uneven against Brian Jennings. So I'm excited to see what he can do. That's going to be exciting. And they have a bunch of other fights coming up, too, that have been raided recently. We have the April 25th 
top rank is going to have their debut of the monster Naoya Inoue. Uh, Inoue is going to fight John Real Casimero. So three belts on the line at 118 pounds. Just a, a really good fight. Casimero has big power with our buddy Sean Gibbons. Oh, yeah. He's from the Philippines, of course. So that's. I mean, I'm excited for that one. It's going to be fireworks. Are you surprised that he would take on such a quality opponent? As he's, you know, it's not his U.S. debut. He's already fought uh, here previously in Carson, California. But you know, in a fight that's basically like his showcase, U.S. showcase. He's stepping in there against a guy who's, you know, coming off a very strong performance. Not surprised at all because the monster is obviously the goods. Top rank needs to make a splash with him, and he's going to be a favorite. So I, I don't. I mean, especially when you get to these lower weights, Lance, you yeah. see a lot more fights happening. A lot of guys taking more risks because there's just not as much money involved. And I, I just think to get interest in a fight at that weight, you have to have a good fight. In a way, Donaire gets fight of the year. Right, the boxing writers uh, voted for that over the athletics choice of uh, Spence and Porter, and that's fine. But I wonder, Mike. I mean, were you at all? Did did you think that in a way was at all diminished by the fact that an older Donaire was able to give him such a tough time? Not in my eyes, because Donaire was always so great at 118 pounds. His struggles came at 126 and also 122. Yes, Donaire's older now, but in new way, he fought some adversity and, and really battled back from it. You know, he had that horrible cut over his eyes. I was swollen up. He, I thought he should have knocked Donaire out, and I think it was the eleventh round. He hurts him really badly to the body, and instead of going to finish him off, he let Donaire hit the canvas, and then, yeah, I mean, Donaire was in a world of trouble. So it was kind of a funky scene with it, that. Yeah, it was strange. So, yeah. but I'm excited to see what Donaire can do too, coming off that fight. Another, he hasn't, you know, another fight coming at 118, a title fight actually, a second title fight. Because uh, Tom Brown, who is the lead promoter of PBC, won the rights this week to Nordine Ubali against Nonito Donaire. So that is going to take place sometime in the coming months on a PBC platform, whether it's Fox, Showtime, or even a pay-per-view undercard. And I that, love that fight. Yeah, that seems like it has LA written all over it, too. I hope so for us. Yeah, Nonito's fought, fought, out, fought out here a few times, so it'd be, it'd be great to see. Um, would you like Nonito in that fight? I think that's a really coin. That's a real true coin flip fight. I think I lean toward Ubali. Ubali is just so big and strong, and we saw him pick apart Inoue's younger brother on that same card back in November. And he also did looks really good against Rashi Warren. So I'm gonna tip my tip Ubali in this one, but I, I can't wait for it. 118. No yeah. yeah, no Nito Donaire. I mean, Ford Division champion. He's a Hall of Famer in my eyes. I mean. He, he, he you, we, I know we were talking before we got on the air about the uh, Boxing Writers Good Guy Award, but he's been up for it before, and he is a good guy. He is, a he is good he's guy. a great guy. I mean, yeah, he's a unbelievably nice. Love Nonito, yeah, yeah, human being. So, um, you know, him, him winning the uh, the Fight of the Year award, it was it was certainly look well deserved and a great great opportunity. And the fact that you know, I did a story not too long ago saying that I love the what I love about boxing right now is that if you lose a fight, it's not a death sentence. And no one proves that better than Nonito Donaire being able to step in here for the, uh, an opportunity to fight for a title. And look, let's be honest. I mean, if he can win this fight and stand there as a four-division active champion, this guy's got a lot of cachet that, you know, some big fights will be coming in that division for him. Absolutely. And then another fight that was just agreed to this week, we have a deal done to match 
newly minted champion Patrick Teixeira, who holds a title of 154 pounds, against his mandatory challenger, Brian Castaño. And this is one of the rare times, I think, where the mandatories are really putting together and forcing a good fight. And I also love the angle. You have Argentina versus Brazil. A lot of history there. Someone on Twitter today reminded me of the great fight between Asalino Freitas, of course, of Brazil, against the Argentine um, Jorge Barrios, which was oh, yeah. an incredible fight. I think it was on Showtime back in the early 2000s. So... I think it led a guy I know to name his cat after Freitas. Am I, am I, am I wrong on that? <laughs> that? That is, I hear sources say that's true. Um, so I, I think that's a great fight, Castaño and Teixeira. Uh, Castaño was in one of the best fights of 2019. That was a March bout against Arizona Lara that ended in a draw. And then we had Castaño, uh, Teixeira in a fantastic fight, upset Carlos Adamas on ESPN. So... Teixeira is with Golden Boy and Castaño is with PBC. So they actually came together to avoid the purse bid, get the deal done, and Golden Boy is going to promote that fight and it's going to be on the zone in April or May. And it's going to oh, be in the U.S. Oh, okay. Another, hey, I, I, I could see that again being another fight that maybe takes place out here. We'll see what happens. Who do you like in that fight? Yeah. I mean, uh, Teixeira did so much. I mean, uh, what he did against Adamas is so impressive. You know, you've got to believe that he'll carry that momentum in, into it. But I, I think it's more intriguing that we get to see uh, Al Heyman and uh, Oscar De La Hoya working together, which is a, a nice thing. Again, look, if this is a trend of boxing, I think it's in boxing's best interest for uh, these guys to work together. Uh, one of our colleagues on, on network television, I'm actually Max Kellerman, made a big point of this on the uh, Wilder Fury news conference. He said, what's what's in the best interests of boxing? Maybe you didn't hear because you were in the studio. But Max was saying, look, if we can get these cross-promoted fights to exist and happen with regularity um, you know, throughout the next year or so, this could be a golden age of boxing because there are so many good fights to see. And there's so much television investment in the sport right now. So these personalities are growing larger and larger. We get these showdowns. And I know like Tashera Costano is a baby step along the way. It, it, it's nothing but a positive. And I, uh, um, I have conversations with numerous people in the boxing industry. And they say, quit, quit pounding on this issue. But you know what? It's the most important issue. And I know as boxing fans that, you know, they want us to, to bang that drum for these these fights to take place. Yeah, and I can't see this being anything but a war. I favor Castaño. Castaño is just a bulldog in there. I mean, that fight with Lara was was crazy. He was nonstop pressure for 12 rounds. The same thing when Castaño fought Francis, Michelle Soro. So, and this is a guy who's looking for his big shot. So, I think someone's going to break out here. These are the fights where we need more of. These yeah. fights where we don't really know who's going to win and we know there's going to be a lot of action involved. And we have a bunch of them coming up. Yeah, both of these guys, you know, and there's been it seems like there's been a lot of this, Mike, where these guys, uh, just like what we saw with uh, when J-Rock went down to Rosario, these guys stepping up and, and grabbing the belt. That's also a, a, such a great thing for the sport because, you know, the the obvious winners of the A-side uh, winning so so often does us no good. When, when these fights are up for grabs, it's very compelling. I know, Mike, you also had a, another fight that um, you were able to report out this uh, past week with Devin Haney sidelined with the with the injury and, and requiring um, surgery. Um, tell, tell the uh, fans about yeah, this. Yeah, so we have Javier Fortuna is going to fight Luke Campbell for the vacant WBC title. It's confusing, of course, because Haney is the champion in recess. And then we have... Lomachenko is the franchise champion, so more alphabet soup mumbo-jumbo. But regardless of that, it's just a really good fight, I think. Fortuna and Campbell, two evenly matched guys. Someone can emerge there as some kind of a, you know, a B-side for one of the top guys. 
Um, and I keep hearing from that Devin Haney could be going to 140 next anyway. He is a big guy. Yeah. So this could be the end of being the champion. Isn't it interesting that that both of these young uh, these young champions at 135 are basically short timers for the division with Devin Haney and Tiafimo Lopez? So uh, look, uh, you know we're all excited right now about lightweight, and it's not going to be too long before uh, uh, junior welterweight is the is the division of choice when these guys enter that one. Yeah, and we can't forget that we're also going to have Vasily Lomachenko fighting against Tiafimo Lopez at some point. We don't know when yet. It could be April, could be May, could be a little later than that, but. It just seems, talking about this, Lance, that this is going to be a way better year for boxing than last year was. I mean, just some of the fights we're talking about right now. Getting off to a good start is so important. And, I, and you know, one of the fights, though, I mean, look, the marquee dates, one of the marquee dates is Cinco de Mayo, right? And now we're talking about Canelo Alvarez going to Japan against uh, Riado Murata. I mean, to me, I don't, I don't like this fight, Mike. I mean... Canelo Alvarez, I know he's coming off uh, uh, participating as the as the fighter of the year, and as you know, trainer Eddie Reynoso was trainer of the year. But I would hope that these these guys would do something more competitive. I know it's interesting to go to Japan. I know it's a, a unique opportunity. I understand that it's a good thing for DAZN because DAZN has a very strong uh, base of uh, subscribers in Japan, but. Boxing fans don't care about that. They want good fights, and I really feel like they're they're dropping the ball here with Canelo uh, making this selection. Well, for one, we don't know if Canelo's going to fight Murata. I mean, Callum Smith and Billy Joe Saunders are still in the mix, still talks going on, but we do know that Golden Boy Promotions, Canelo's estranged promoter, met with Mr. Honda, who's um, Mr. Honda is Murata's promoter this week and and there's discussions going on there trying to get that done. The Canelo does prefer Murata. And I, look, I get it. Canelo, if you're a big star in, in North America, of course you want to be a big star in Asia too, right? That's like a big thing for yeah. whether you're a musician or an actor. It's a, it says a lot about your popularity if you could be that big in another completely different part of the world. And I know, you know, I ran into Canelo when we were at the Andy Ruiz-Anthony Joshua fight and I know that really struck him because he said on the air that night, that he would love to fight in Saudi or Japan. So Murata makes sense. Murata is a solid fighter. Top 10 guy in middleweight for sure. But is he on Canelo's level? Of course not. So I don't think it would be competitive at all. And in that sense, I agree with you, Lance. doesn't really excite me. But if that's what Canelo wants to do, I'm all for it. I just hope that it would lead to a fight with Gennady Golovkin in the fall. Yes, he he definitely has the right to sort of like flex his muscle and say like, I am the face of boxing and this is what I want to do and this is where I want to go. Um you're right. I mean, we we need to see the the third fight against Golovkin in September. And as I've said before many times on this show, Canelo is going to be a significant favorite in that fight from what we saw uh, from Golovkin against uh, Devranchenko. I don't know what Victor Conte can do uh, in working alongside Gennady Golovkin to, you know, really improve him that much. And so I would be picking Canelo in a big way. I know Canelo despises Golovkin. But you talk about fights that we want to see on the calendar in 2020, and that's definitely in the top three or five. <laughs> I'm curious to see what the weight would be for Canelo against Murata. I mean, Murata fights a middleweight, but I, I don't think it would be advisable, nor do I think Canelo wants to fight at 160 again, especially not his next fight. I think you want to do that 168, and I wonder if Murata wants to do that. Yeah, well, I, you know, like you reported, I mean, that's probably what they're trying to haggle out. Canelo has all the leverage on this. 
Uh, he may not be Murata may not be comfortable going to 168, but he's uh, he'd probably be very comfortable when he sees the type of person he'll be drawing <laughs> yeah, exactly. in fighting Canelo Alvarez. I think he makes everyone very comfortable. Yeah, um, um, but Gennady Golovkin, I mean, he's gonna fight Camille Zarameta. We don't know when it's gonna be. It was looking at, it was looking like late March, and could we go to April now? I know you've been yeah. Um, so that fight doesn't excite me at all. But we really need Canelo Triple G three. These guys have unfinished business. The first two fights. Could have, I mean, I thought the second fight could have won either way. Probably Canelo probably deserved the nod. The first fight, I had a draw. I know that was unpopular. Most people thought Gennady won. But I had both fights to draw, and I we need to see this third fight. Yeah, I really hope it happens. And, um, you know, Gennady Golovkin, like you said, he'll come back, take that mandatory. Let's see how he looks. I mean, he's he's doing this uh, he's doing this move off of Big Bear to, you know, further enhance his, his skills. And I know what Victor Conti really focuses on it's basically stamina you know fitness endurance and look both of those two fights went the distance so Gennady Golovkin's gonna need to be at his best for all 12 rounds again to to have a chance to defeat Canelo Alvarez so I guess from that standpoint it takes it, it makes a lot of sense but I just I mean looking at the eye test as we you know try to have and and, and take pride in and sitting ringside and watching these fights I, I I just I think that the ship has sailed on Gennady Golovkin. Uh, covered this guy a long time. It's not an insult to him. It's just that you know, look, uh, time gets the best of a, of a lot of fighters, and I believe that it, we saw that in in his last fight. I wonder what is a bigger fight, Canelo Triple G three or Wilder Fury two? Oh, I you know just because of the momentum that it has right now and the freshness, and we know that we're getting it. I love this Wilder Fury too. Having spent a lot of time with Deontay um, earlier this month in, in um, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, which is very interesting. This fight has has all the makings of a of another classic. I mean, I I don't buy for an instant Tyson Fury's uh, insistence that he's going to meet uh, Wilder in the center of the ring and try to go toe to toe with him. I think it's going to be a, a a replay of the first fight and how each of them can adapt to. You know what happened in those in the over those the course of those twelve rounds is going to be fascinating because they are such deep thinkers, as Deontay Wilder says. Um, <laughs> um, but I wonder what fight would do more on pay per view. We know Canelo Triple G three would be on the zone, but the first fight did I think a million, the second fight did like like one point two or something in there, and both fights surpassed a million. Wilder Fury won to like three hundred twenty five thousand yeah. pay per view buys in the U S. Do we are we sure that Wilder Fury two is bigger than Tri- Canelo Triple G three? I'm not saying that it's bigger. If the, if okay, the question gotcha. is which one I want to see more. No, it's, it's, yeah, I, I I think that Canelo Triple G, especially with Canelo uh, being who he is right now, makes that fight uh, definitely a stronger pay per view. But Wilder Fury, I believe, will be will be the better fight. Um, no doubt. What's your prediction on Wilder Fury two pay per view buys? If you had to. You know, if you have to make a prediction right now, all the money's on the line. Bob Arum says two million. Okay, so let's <laughs> let's let's look at that number. We know that Arum can be a little bit off, right? Uh, Just some, a little bit. Some people are saying that I don't know that it's going to get to five hundred thousand. I'm going to say this, Mike. I mean, we 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 referenced this last show, and I'm going to say this. It I think it has to get past one million for the sake of boxing. It needs to be past one million. From the standpoint of you've got Fox and ESPN both, you know, being in, involved in a joint broadcast, these guys are putting all their resources behind this fight. A lot of money to really hawk it as much as they can in you know 
on shows such as the Super Bowl, you know, all the playoffs that the playoff coverage where we've seen it, uh, this fight mentioned, they've got uh, we saw it at the college football playoff. Those guys are going to be on Radio Row uh, this week. This fight has to do more than a one million. Or I think both of these networks will be looking at their involvement in boxing. And I, but I do believe that look, it has the quality of the fight. And knowing what it has already produced in the first sh- showdown should justify it getting past that barrier. So you're predicting over one million. Yes, I, I could see. Here's going to be my final prediction: one point two five million. Whoa! Yeah. All right, I'm going to go extra. much lower than that. I'm what going to say those closer to seven fifty eight, maybe a little more. I, I wouldn't be shocked if it hit a million, or or I would not be shocked if it hit one point two. But I'm going to go more in that seven fifty to eight fifty range. You were um, you attended Saturday's uh, second Los Angeles press conference for Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, Mike. And what was your takeaways from that event? I just continue to be a little underwhelmed by the promotion for this fight. I know Fury said time and again, this fight doesn't this fight sells itself. I disagree. I don't think it sells itself. I think that we really need some histronics, some fireworks. And we saw Fury and Wilder being strangely complimentary of one another. Fury was talking about how great Wilder's power is. Wilder and Fury was shaking hands and laughing it up. And look, I, I, I'm all for lesson. In boxing, way too often, we have this manufactured hate. If these guys don't hate each other, great. I don't want it manufactured. But play it up a little bit, maybe. You know, and I think that the the other thing that struck me, Mike, and I, I don't know that they can do this in Vegas because they never do this in Vegas, but these promoters are really dropping the ball by not putting these guys out in front of a crowd. I mean, and they, uh, nothing against us. Absolutely. Look, look, as boxing reporters, we try to do the best job we can. But we're not fans. We're not going to be sitting there uh, clapping and yelling at the, for these guys to say something spectacular or really get in someone's face and goad them on to really say the things that they have to know that they the fight fans want to hear from them. Yeah. So I hope that there is an, an opportunity for these promoters to try to get these guys in front of a live crowd and bring this, bring the promotion uh, to life, or at least better life than where it is right now after these antiseptic appearances. <laughs> well, yeah, well said on that. And I know you covered Mayweather De La Hoya, right? And look, I mean, talk about that a little bit. I mean, I was in college still, yeah. but from what I remember, Chinese theater, and you were hitting all these landmarks. They're making this an event. 13, I, I, I believe I wrote a story on their press tour because it was so uh, unusual. They basically made like 13 press stops across the nation. At one point, uh, it was totally cool because they were going to all these different cities and uh, Oscar knew that his pilot was lagging behind Floyd's plane a little bit. So he told him to gun it and they passed Floyd in the air and basically like gave him a wave, you know? So, <laughs> I mean, that th- those guys went at it. Remember, we had the great scene where uh, Mayweather brought the chicken to remind uh, to remind Oscar of when he was called uh, Chicken de la Hoya, and really went after him. He st- stole his food at one appearance, like I think in Washington D.C. And he was really getting under de yeah, la Hoya's I remember skin. There was a thing where he stole his bags. Yeah, he, like, at the at, at the airport, he, he hit his bag somewhere. He eventually gave it back, of course, but it was mess just to mess with de la Hoya. I mean, I mean, and I love that stuff as a fan back then. I ate that stuff up on twenty four seven. That was the birth of Manny Mayweather. And look, that was an exception, but there's no reason we can't approach that with Wilder Fury. You know what, Mike? And another great story. I mean, I know that there's so many when you talk about like these barnstorming uh, press tours that fighters used to do. They they say that I w- again. This was before my time. 
uh, as a senior in high school, actually. But when Hagler and Hearns fought, these guys went out it on their press tour so significantly that that's why you saw the first round that you saw because they wanted to get in there from the get go and kill each other because of the you know uh, animosity that had built up while these they while while they were hyping the fight and. I'm sorry. I mean, I know both these guys are have spent a lot of time, uh, committed a lot of time to preparation. Tyson Fury is talking about how committed he is to to staying in shape. I think they can afford a few more stops, and especially in front of a live live audience, to help this thing along. Right. So I, I really, really hope they ramp it up, get, getting closer to the fight. Um, you you had some uh, you had some news, and I, I I'm not trying to pour water on your news at all because I want you to uh, to talk about it. Um, and you know what? But I'm just gonna say this: trash undercard. Sorry, I'm not. Ha- I'm not very happy with what they did for the Wilder Fury two uh, undercard. Uh, some some good fighters on there, but I would like to have seen better quality matchups. Uh, tell tell the listeners about it. Yeah, we have the undercard is gonna be two: one top rank fight, one PBC fight, and one PBC versus top rank fight. And that PBC versus top rank fight is gonna open the telecast. It's Sebastian Fandora an Al Heyman fighter against Daniel Lewis, an Australian who's with the top rank. So it uh, should be a good action fight, but nothing of any magnitude, of course, like you said, Lance. And then we have a PBC fight, heavyweights, Charles Martin, and then against Gerald Washington. Another fight that should be fun in terms of action, I think, but not a fight that you could see really headlining a Fox event on its own. And then... Emmanuel Navarrete, the 122-pound champion, fights Jeo uh, Santisima of the Philippines. That's the top-ranked fight. So definitely not going to – I don't think anyone's going to be buying this card to see that undercard. Uh, but hopefully it doesn't bore people before the main event. Hopefully we get some action. Yeah. And I look again, not to uh, not to really rip these guys because there's uh, you know Navarrete, no doubt about it, is a, uh, is a fighter that's very enjoyable to watch. And so uh, that that should be a, a nice appearance for him. He deserves that kind of opportunity after last year. I believe he fought five times last year in the calendar year. Really work a hardworking kid from uh, Tijuana, who's um, um, you know stands as champion and really wants to try to uh, build a crowd and build a legacy for his career. A la a la, a la uh, another guy from Tijuana, Eric Morales, did back in the day. Speaking of the heavyweights, uh, Andy Ruiz. We know that he's parted ways with Manny Robles. I know you spoke to Manny at length. And then we reported that Andy's going to be with Teddy Atlas and they're going to see if they have chemistry toward possibly working together. Uh, I wonder, what's your take on Andy dismissing Manny and what do you think about a possible partnership between Andy Ruiz and Teddy Atlas? Yeah, I thought it was really disappointing that he would get rid of Manny Robles. I mean, Manny, um, you know, look, Manny not only trained, helped train Andy to a heavyweight title. And I know it was Andy in the ring who did, did the fighting, but he basically covered for him too this last fight. I mean, I had, I actually was kind of pissed off to be honest with you because I had a conversation with Manny about Andy's uh, preparation. We knew that Andy had said, or that Manny had said at Andy's parade uh, in June after the victory, I want to get this guy in the gym immediately in July. He doesn't show up until September and then his appearances in the gym from that point forward were very sporadic. But Manny Robles said, told, told me, and I think told a lot of other reporters, Andy's in great shape. He's been working very hard. He's very committed. And it was uh, honestly, it was not the truth. 
So you've got a you've got a guy who's basically jumping on a landmine for you, and then as soon as you lose, you dump him. Not cool. And uh, you know, on top of how Andy Ruiz fared as a champion, when so many people take a lot of pride in being a champion and want to continue to get better from that uh, point forward. Um, it's really a shame that now he's trying to make Manny Robles look like the scapegoat and look like he's the one who was at blame when we all know uh, who was at fault here. And as in regards to going to Teddy Atlas, Teddy Atlas is going to be hard on, on Andy Ruiz. Is Andy Ruiz up to that? Teddy, Ruiz, uh, Teddy Atlas is, is no nonsense. You know, he's not going to, he's not a guy that has a history of just taking a paycheck. He needs these guys to be fully committed. Teddy Atlas is fully committed to the art of training and he's going to want his, he's going to want Andy Ruiz to get back to the, to the type of effort that we saw from Andy at the, uh, during the first half of last year. I do feel for Manny, like you said, he's a good guy and he did a good job, but I think it's the right move to move on from him. I think Andy needs a guy who's going to like it like a Teddy Atlas, a disciplinarian who's going to keep him in check, keep him accountable and make sure he's training hard, giving a hundred percent and really going balls to the wall here. And it's obvious that Andy Ruiz was the boss of his own training camp with Manny. So he's going to need someone he really respects to put him to be in charge and show him the ropes. Well, and that, you know, Manny actually addressed that, Mike, in the conversation that I had with him. And he, what he said was, he's the heavyweight champion of the world. And he says, I wanted him in there more. I wanted, I was trying to, to say everything that I could in a positive way. Like, I need you in the gym uh, with me. We need to get to work, champ. You know, let's do this. You can, you can, if you start today, you know, you're going to be fine for the fight. He said, but when Andy would kind of blow him off, he kept saying to himself, like, this guy's the heavyweight champion of the world. How much power do I have to really hold his feet to the fire and say, get your ass in here? I that, mean, he just made the biggest purse that, of his career. No, that's totally valid. I get that. That's it's a hard situation. But you and I both know Teddy Alice a little bit, and we know enough that Teddy Alice won't see things that way. <laughs> if, if it's indeed Teddy Alice that trains him. he Yeah, he's the kind of guy who'll say, fuck it, and I'm out of here. You know what I'm saying? Right. So... Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a good, uh, it's a good, it'll be a, a very, very interesting thing to watch. I know Mike, what, one last thing that I just want to talk to you about, um, cause I live near the Ontario airport and unfortunately <laughs> they just, uh, airplaned in about 280 people <laughs> who may have been subjected to, to the coronavirus in China, uh, right into my airport. So, um, because of that, because of that virus, they canceled the Jose Ramirez Victor postal fight. Now, when I mentioned the idea of, and when I suggested this on Twitter, of placing that fight on the Wilder Fury undercard, Todd DeBuff of, of Top Rank called me and yelled at me and said, use your noggin. That's not the way that boxing works. You know, you can't put a fight of, of, of that import on a, a pay-per-view like this when we have other cards on ESPN that we want to attach it to. So I haven't heard any new dates that they're talking about. I know Jose Ramirez is saying like, you know, we need to have this fight sooner rather than later because I want to get to on uh, to work on the preparation for Josh Taylor. Do you know anything new? I don't. I mean, I was at Robert Garcia Boxing Academy in Riverside on Monday and Robert said he hadn't heard anything. You know, Jose Ramirez's trainer said he hadn't heard a new date yet. You know, they have to figure it out with ESPN. Still in motion. So, but it's a shame that these guys put in full training camps and then, but it's the right move. You can't, mess with and you know hope you don't get sick and i mean i think i read today in the new york times i think it was that china certain parts of china could be on a lockdown until april horrible i mean it's a, this is like an unprecedented quarantine 
And a very, very insensitive, but a very, very funny quote that maybe or it's a, it's a front runner as quote of the year right now that you're able to get from Bob Arum, <laughs> right? On this yeah. situation. Yeah. Bob said something along the lines of, am I supposed to fucking miss Wilder Fury too because I'm in quarantine? What then? Okay, and it's and he, a cockamamie disease. A cockamamie right? disease. Great stuff. Only Bob Arum can do, but... Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of the Pug and Cop Boxing Show. We will be back here next week to wrap up the uh, the zone fight and then look forward to a a fight coming up next week with uh, Gary Russell, the featherweight champion. 